Logical Progression, Year 1, Lesson 24. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa la'aqibati lil-muttaqin, wa la'a'idwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajul al-hazna ada shi'at sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya rabbil kareem. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, we are broadcasting live from Ottawa, Ota. We are honored to be here. We are uh, very happy to join some Otaners. Um, and I noticed actually, subhanAllah, one of the immediate advantages of having the dars here, or even you guys studying this dars here, is that your our minds are so fresh and it's early in the day and everything. I feel awake and alive. When we're over there and we're half dead, we have to depend upon jobs to keep us awake. This time we can concentrate on fiqhiyani. So anyway, um, today's lesson actually is subhanAllah, where every lesson is important in the scheme of things. Obviously some are much more boring than others, and some go on a lot more than others. But today's lesson is actually a very interesting from a point of view that we um, will be doing, um, covering some key principles in qawaid al-fiqhiyya and usul al-fiqhiyani. Some, some of those things you might have heard of that are rules in sharia which uh, you might not have realized before that are in play that scholars use to de uh, to determine certain facts when they're uh, held up with opposing evidences. Anyway, um, we'll come to that naturally. So just to remind ourselves then of what chapter we're on, uh, we are on, um, uh, and I, I, first of all, I just want to apologize that uh, I mean, you guys obviously is fine, but I mean, uh, online, the quality will be reduced on this particular uh, session, and that's entirely my fault. So I just want you to make sure that the, 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 the Logical Progression Brothers and the Prophetic Guidance Brothers did absolutely everything correct, and the, the, the mistake they made is that they left the key parts to me. <laughs> and, and as you guys know here, I left all of the equipment in my hotel like a plum and that means that we are doing this lesson uh, on a uh, off a laptop effectively and I know that when I move then the picture goes very poor and telling me not to move is like telling Bill give me a, a good uh, analogy it's like, uh... telling a fat boy not to eat cake there we go. It's like telling Phil just to keep quiet. There we go. It's like telling Noor to stop driving. Stop driving fast. Yes. It's like telling Shaz to stop eating eating lamb. a lot of Yeah, eating lamb. Yeah. So uh, forgive me, Annie, because I I do move, and I know when I move, then it's gonna start blurring. But that's just the way it is. All right. Listen. So page three of the actual notes is where we are. The category are the makru matters, the disliked matters, the offensive matters. The entire the entire chapter, the entire text was um, the following are disliked. Number one, entering anything containing mention of Allah Most High. Number two, raising the garment before nearing the ground, before you get close to actually uh, going to the toilet. Number three, speaking whilst in the toilet. Number four, urinating in a hole or the like. And this is all what we did last time. And then now, number five, touching the genitals with the right hand. Number six, using the right hand when removing filth, using stones or water, and number seven, facing the sun or the moon. Yeah, that's good. So these are the disliked matters. So let's just finish off then um, 
in the Arabic text where we are is the is page uh, 121 of Sharh Mumtah and uh, right in the middle and his touching of the gen his obviously his and her touching of the genitals with the right hand it is disliked for the qadi al-haj the one who is uh, seeing to his need i.e. going to the toilet to touch the private parts with his right hand this is referring to the front and the back because farajain means the two faraj because the word faraj yani when it's used by itself it is it is a general uh, term. It therefore refers to the the back passage and the front. Um, the reason for this is the hadith of uh, Abu Qatada, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said, "La yumsik, la ahadukum dakarahu biyaminihi wa huwa yabul, wa la yatamassah min al-khala biyaminihi, wa la yatanafas bil-ina." This hadith is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari in the chapter of purification. Let not one of you hold his penis, and that has been specifically said, okay, with his right hand whilst he is urinating. Let him not wipe himself with his right hand when he is, which is translated as going to the toilet, but basically defecating here, okay. Um, and let him not breathe into his. Uh, uh, container, uh, his uh, glass. You know, uh, uh, if you drink, you should drink like this. Yeah. Once, and you should breathe. This is the, the, the sunnah, according to the majority of the scholars. Like that. Yeah, three sips, and you breathe, and you take it easy, and so on and so forth. If you watch a child, you know what they do. They go, yeah, dum 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 into the glass, they're breathing, huh? It's okay for my child because his miskin doesn't know what's happening, but yeah, the adults doing that's taking liberties, isn't it? Yeah? And obviously the whole point is is that they're they're breathing into a glass and they're making it dirty or whatever, germs, blah 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 blah. So that's the hadith just to give you some um uh just to give you some context. Now if we concentrate on this hadith that we just talked about, all right, um uh Sheikh Qutameen said that the Prophet has very specifically said that he holds his penis with his right hand whilst he is urinating. Meaning that Shaykh Uthameen restricted it, uh, sorry, the Prophet in the hadith restricted it to whilst urinating. Okay, urinating. So then, then, then we ask the question is that the case and is that the only time that it's allowed? That the scholars then, rahimahumullah ta'ala, they differed over this restriction. That is it, that is it the case that the prohibition is only, the prohibition of the Prophet is only in this hadith. As I'm saying prohibition, even during we're doing we're doing the chapter of dislike matters, yeah? But we're saying prohibition because we haven't finally got to the fiqh uh, uh, conclusion yet. When you read this hadith, the Prophet said, do not. And when you, when you have do not, then that means prohibition. So we're now just slowly going away through the hadith. So immediately, the, the prohibition in the hadith makes it, the hadith is a pro, is prohibiting the using the right hand, okay? Is this prohib, is the touching of the private parts restricted only to whilst urinating faqat alone because a common sense, because he will, the common sense reason is because he will dirty his hand, yeah? And it's his right hand. And the right hand is being used for, obviously, all of the honorable and the clean and the good things. Is that the reason? 
Okay? وَإِذَا كَانَ لَا يَبُولُ If he's not urinating, what's happening then? Well, we have a hadith about that. The Prophet ﷺ was asked in the hadith of uh, the hadith of Talq, I, th I think, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and he came to the Prophet ﷺ, and this is pure random, but I mean, he said to him, Ya Rasulullah, does the one who touches his penis in the prayer have to make wudu or not? And the Prophet ﷺ, he responded to him, إِنَّمَا هُوَ بَضْعَةٌ مِنْكِ this is just a part of you. It's just another organ. Okay? It's just another piece of your skin, basically. It's just you. Alright? So, um, that response would suggest that that, uh, uh, that he doesn't. That's, yani, he doesn't need to make wudu, and therefore it is permissible outside of urinating to touch. This, this hadith would suggest. Okay? Um, other scholars, they said, he says, but then at the same time then, if this is the case, then actually it wouldn't even matter whether he was in the prayer or having a bath or doing something else, whatever, whether he touched it with his right or left hand, according to this hadith, according to this permission. If you say to someone, hey, it's just, a, it's just part of you, then right and left, left hand is taken out of it. Yeah, it's taken out of the equation. So, so what we have now so far, we have the Prophet Sallallahu um, making it clear that you're not allowed to touch your, 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 your private parts whilst you are with the right hand, whilst you are going to the toilet. And, but outside of the toilet, it seems that it doesn't really matter because it's part of you. Now, the scholars differed over how to deal with this because obviously this is a major issue. Which is very good. He said that some of the scholars said, well, hold on. If a person is prohibited to touch his private parts whilst going to the toilet, then outside the toilet, he must be even more prohibited. It must be even more prohibited. Because, I mean, at least if you're going to prohibit something in the, whilst going to the toilet, that makes, that's hard upon a person. Because that's exactly what he's using his hand for. Yeah, I mean, he, don't, he doesn't even have another choice really but to use those two hands at that time to clean himself. So if he's being prohibited at the one single time that you have an excuse to actually touch your private parts, then what about the rest of the time when there's no excuse to touch your private parts? But that's surely got to be even more prohibited. And this is the argument. And what Sheikh Huthamin says is that he goes, as far as I'm concerned, both of these two opinions are, are good. Right, there's a wajh, meaning that they're a point. When you hear the word wajh, uh, يعني, this, this statement has a point, or there's, a, there, there's something there you know, in this discussion. He's, he's trying to rate both points. He's saying that, number one, the argument that actually it's just a, a, part, a part of your body, there's no problem whenever you touch it. This has an angle, and the idea that actually, no, you should never touch it, then this has an angle. And obviously, if you take the second opinion, that you should never touch it. How would you respond to the hadith? You would respond that this is either abrogated or that it was something that was unknown or whatever. Or, you know, you'd have to try and find an argument, okay, to try and cancel out the hadith of Talq. Many people they said the hadith is weak, right? They said the hadith is weak and and uh, and you know they just dealt with it like that. Anyway, Sheikh Hutamin says, "Well, waridan." Both situations have been narrated. Both possibilities are active. لكن الأحوط 
أن يتجنب مسه مطلقا. And this is a very important word that I always teach in all of my classes and all of fiqh. The word أحوط. أحوط is um, the word أحوط ولا يحيطون شيء من علمه. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that يعني, he encompasses everything. Nothing can cover his knowledge. He encompasses all of knowledge. The, the, the word أحوط comes from the verb to encompass. So the أحوط when you use the word in fiqh it has the indication of trying to say that it is the most encompassing opinion, meaning that what I'm going to tell you now, it will cover this evidence, that evidence, that evidence, meaning that you'll stay away from the khilaf. You will protect yourself from different sort of opinions of scholars. In English, we just say it's the safest opinion. Yeah, that's what we'd say, the safest opinion. So the scholars in the books of fiqh, when they teach this opinion, they say al-aslam or al-ahwad, the safest position or the most encompassing position. So what do you think the most encompassing position in this would be? <coughs> just not touch. Simple as that. At all. At any circumstance, at any time, just don't do it. That is what Sheikh Uthameen wants to say. وَلَكِنْ الْجَزَمْ بِالْكَرَاهَ إِنَّمَا هُوَ فِي حَالَ الْبَوْلِ الْحَدِيثِ But this is just us telling the people. Guys, don't touch it. Don't, females, women, everyone, don't touch private parts, whether inside prayer, outside prayer, uh, in, uh, 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 in any kind of circumstance. Uh, don't just don't touch the private parts. As uh, and this is just our advice to you because it's the safest opinion. As for saying this is makruh, which is a legal statement which requires a legal evidence, as we said last 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 week and week before, then this is only for when when urinating, when going to the toilet, because the hadith is very clear, because al hadith al wadid because of the narrated hadith in the matter. Okay. As for any other time outside of urinating, then this is up, up for discussion, and it is, uh, it is uh, there, there are evidences, and so on, so so forth. So basically, what Sheikh says, and he goes, look, there's really no need to ever get involved in that kind of doubtful matter using your right hand. If there's some doubt, just use your left hand. Khalas, right? There, there's been no issue there to be discussed, and 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 and, and so on. And the Sheikh says that. And just for the point of, uh, for the student of knowledge, what's the ta'aleel for the karaha? What is the actual evidence to say this is makruh? The ta'aleel, it is from ikram al-yad al-yumna. Al-ikram al-yumna, meaning of honoring the right hand. And you'll, you'll know that we've used that principle along the line uh, in, this, uh, in this chapter, last couple of weeks. That out of honoring the right hand, one doesn't do things which are uh, uh, kind of, bringing it down in status. Now, there are a few points there uh, that we need to make. Number one, if there's a need, like for example, it doesn't have a right hand, yeah? Then obviously, I mean, so it doesn't have a left hand, I mean. Uh, then, of course, he's allowed to use his right hand. Or if there's some kind of uh, difficulty. The other thing, of course, is that um, uh, this ruling is uh, applicable at all times, this advice not to use the right hand for anything, other than for sexual matters, of course which is a whole different category and that's, that will come in its own time. But everything outside of that, um, like sexual matters, everything outside of that, like day-to-day -day matters and normative times, one should avoid touching the private parts with the right hand and not just your own private parts, but your other people's private parts, especially for children when cleaning them. So when you're washing your baby, for example, in the bath and so on and so forth, and it comes to their private parts, use your left hand. This is the position of their ilma. Okay, so when you're washing other children's private parts, 
use the left hand. In the bathroom, in the shower, changing a nappy, for example, you use your left hand, you don't use the right hand. Now, uh, issue uh, uh, comes up. Now, um, um, some people might say, well, hold on, the, 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 no one actually uses the right hand, right hand. People might use a stone or uh, tissue. Yeah, so it's the tissue which is the uh, cleansing agent and so on. But this is the same ruling. The same ruling is applied because actually the hadith actually says the one who holds his private parts, right? And so that wasn't even touching the mahal al-najasa, the area of dirt. So that, there's that. Another, another question which uh, arises, which I think is very interesting, is what about um, uh, the, the issue if you don't have water, okay, and so therefore you have to do istijmar, okay, and if you remember, you know, how we opened up this whole chapter, what did we say? We said that there are two ways, and we said that some of the Sahaba even said that to use water is not the asal, to use the stones or to use toilet paper is the asal, yeah? Istijmar, remember that, yeah? Istinja is when you use water, istijmar is when you use anything other than water. So we said that the two basic principles on planet Earth are number one, a toilet paper, and number two, clods of Earth. Yeah, people don't use really stones, they use clods. Yeah, you know what a clod is, isn't it? Yeah. So a clump of Earth, you know, that's the, 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 that's the, the standard abroad, right, in the Muslim world and the developing world. Here, obviously, toilet paper and so on. Now, what's interesting is that uh, Sheikh uh, Muhammad Muqtara Shankiti, he opened up a discussion. He said that, what about if a situation arises where um, a person, he is uh, having to make istijmar, but he is unable to, um, this is a bit graphic, but basically he is unable to clean a male, his private parts, using just the left hand. See, the problem is, is that he's not allowed to hold his private parts with the right hand to that gentle squeeze to ex expel the urine and then to dry with the left hand. Remember, we're not talking water here. It's tijmar, okay? So he's not able to hold his private part with his right hand because um, the, the prohibition is clear. He's not allowed to clean with his right hand because the prohibition is the same. Everything has to be done with the left hand. And sometimes he might need to squeeze and clean and so on. And so he can't do it with one hand. So <laughs> Sheikh Muhammad Shantiti comes up with a statement, which I found funny, but I mean, it's a, it's a response to the fiqh issue. I mean, it's not as bad as what Sheikh Uthameen says in fairness. Sheikh Uthameen, he says here, he goes, if there's a person who needs to uh, 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 <laughs> he goes that if a person needs to do um, he needs to clean himself <laughs> he has no uh, uh, and he's assuming he has no toilet paper right, and he's assuming that he somehow he can't use uh, uh, shouldn't be using his right hand, he said you get the stone or the clod, he goes you <laughs> hold it with your two feet <laughs> and you move yourself. <laughs> I found that hilarious, man. Absolutely. And he said, in Amkan, and Yajalahu Bainarijlehi, Okay. And then he goes, he goes that if that's not even possible, then just hold it with the right hand and clean with the left. Now, what Sheikh Sheikh Muhammad Khtar Shankita said is even more interesting. He said, in that situation where you have to 
uh, you can't use the left alone. So I will look at what Sheikh Uthameen said. Um, you're in a situation where you can't get by with just using the left. Okay, so now you go to holding it, uh, holding the, the stone or the cleaning material with your uh, 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 feet. Okay, and if not, then you go to the right hand. Sheikh Muhammad Khadr he goes, leave the feet, that's not happening, right? Which is pretty yeah, realistic, to be honest. He goes, uh, what you would do is that you would hold the cleaning, um, uh, the paper or the stone in your right hand, and he goes, you would not be allowed to move your right hand. So the right hand is like a wall almost. So you're you're literally you're holding that, and you're not you're not moving. And so if you're not moving, and this is the toilet paper, your left hand does all the moving of the private parts, and your right hand is like there by just coincidence. Because he said, Muhammad Shankiti, he said that the if you do this, then you're cleaning. But if you hold it there, then everything else is doing the cleaning, and that's just like there by itself. Just going all around this or whatever. I don't know what's happening. But just listen. I'm saying to you that, yeah, and you hook it up, use water, and that's the end of the story. So okay, so those are a few a uh, few points there. Um, is that cool, everybody? Yeah. So I think that's pretty straightforward. The next uh, point is to uh, the next prohibited point. Uh, sorry, the next uh, disliked point, I should say. Um, so what I just did there was I covered number five and six, touching the genitals with the right hand and then using the right hand when removing filth using stones or water. Okay, so then we have one final one left for the about the chapter of Karaha, and that is facing the sun or the moon. The Niyarain comes from Noor, the two enlightened, the two things which give light. Okay, and they said that this is something which is makro. Why did the Matab say that? Or the Madahib actually say that because there's weak hadith narrated on the matter. Hadith which seems to prohibit it, but they're weak, frankly. Okay? And so, and that's why Sheikh says, well, what is a Hunaka Dalilun Sahih? There's not an authentic evidence that would establish anything like that. But a ta'aleel, okay, the the, uh, the then they, they moved from using a hadith because they couldn't find one to trying to rationalize it. What was the rationale? That this is, has the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, they said that the, uh, the 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 moon and the, the the sun are the two kind of expressions of the light of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And Sheikh Uthameen he goes, well, you know, this is a bit of a problematic thing because everything has the light of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. What about the Najum? And all of the the stars are even more based upon the light of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Who are closer to them, they're even more brighter, and so on and so forth. He goes, I have a problem with that. Uh, if you have another, that's why he said he goes, don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's what Sheikh Uthameen says. And then he goes, um, uh, uh, and he goes, if you also, if you look at another hadith, the one that we just, uh, met, oh no, we didn't mention this one. He goes, if you look at the other hadith, which is narrated by Imam Bukhari in Kitab al-Wudu, la tastaqbilu al-qibla, wa la tastadbiruha bibawlin wa la ghaitin wa la kin sharriqu aw gharribu. That do not face the qibla, and do not turn your back to the Qibla whilst you are urinating or defecating. But, uh, I was about to say westernize yourself. But, sharriqu or gharribu. Turn to the sharq or turn to the gharb. What, what was that? Turn to the east, turn to the west? Yeah? I don't know, it sounds weak that. Turn to the east or turn to the west. But basically, that's, that's, that's what, what, what it is. Which makes me laugh because, yani, 
you know, our our people, our, not our people, not our elders, but our youth, they ain't got a dally where anything kills you, east or west. They don't even know where north or south is. And in England, we say he doesn't know his, his backside from his elbow. You say that in Canada? Huh? Well, he hasn't got a clue. And when someone doesn't have a dally, we say he doesn't know his backside from his elbow. You ask these people, they ain't got a clue. Seriously. That's, and now it's getting even worse because no, no, no one cares about anything outside anymore. Like, you know, stars are here, the North Star's here, work it out. The sun is here, the sun always rises there, whatever. Everyone just pulls out the iPhone and does their figure eight for Barciani <laughs> and says, right, here we go. Oh, there's Qibla, or there's North or something. No one has it. And I'm telling you, that's going to happen. That's going to get even worse. No one's gonna ever going to get uh, it. You see that I said iPhone. Because if you do have Android, it's just not even going to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I say that because I can see my Android fans right there, right in the front. And I can, yeah, you wave there, son. Yeah. <laughs> the defender of Android. He's the, he's the one who put forward the Apple show, the religious side. We had the whole debate. Can you believe that? It's a fitness. And I'm telling you now, I don't mind Blackberry for, for iPhone. You know what I'm saying? This thing has helped me out today, man. Big time. Anyway, stop uh, taking so away film. I don't want to always ruining the class, right? Um, so, what the words? What, so, he said to the, yeah, yeah. So, Shark. Right? If you never heard the word Shark before, that's of course refers to the East. That's why they call the Middle East Al Shark Al Awsat. Yeah? If you've ever heard it before. So East and then Al Gharb. Maghrib. Maghrib. Yeah? That's the Gharb. So that's the West. We need to change that name, don't we? Considering that now our uh, Liwa champions are in the East. Huh? What's all that about, man? Isn't it? First of Somalis, yeah, who watch the South and the East. They, they tried to black it, it was Minnesota, but you know, it was basically from Somalia, right? <laughs> yeah, so they won the Liwa last year, right? So that's not even east or uh, west at all, that's like south, east, Africa, and wherever that is, right? <laughs> so, and then Malaysia now smacking it, you know, hardcore. That's hardcore east, isn't it? That's like far east, they even call it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't even know how we can call this thing Maghrib anymore. Yeah, just, just get on that, brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Let's work that branding kind of situation out. So, uh, now what Sheikh says, He goes that, uh, actually, if you think about it, the Prophet said, don't face the Qibla, don't put your back to the Qibla, but go to the right or go to the left, or go to the east or go to the west. He goes, if you're being told by the Prophet to go to the east or go to the west, you're going to find the sun there. You're going to find the sun. Now you can't avoid the sun if you're saying that you can't go that way, you can't go that way, and you can't go that way, and you can't go that way. So what are you going to do then? Which way are you going to go? Which way are you going to sit? Right? So it's clear. From the aql, it doesn't make any sense. From the whole nur argument, it doesn't make any sense. The hadith are weak on the matter. Therefore, this is a matter which uh, is not correct. And Sheikh Al-Tameen says, فالصحيح. The correct opinion, There is no disliked matter in this because there is no evidence. In actual fact, the evidence clearly indicates it's permissible. Because if you're going to the Gharb or to the Shark, you're going to hear a sun. You're going to hear a moon. Yeah. All right. So now with that, then, then we enter the chapter, the new uh, sub-chapter, rather, I should say, of the prohibited matters. Okay, so all of those were the disliked matters, according to the Hamli Madhab and Sheikh Uthameen. He gave his statements, according, uh, you know, his opinions on that. And now we go on to the Hanbali position, according to Imam al-Hajjawi, in the text of Zad al-Mustaqni, back to the text, page 4, these are now the matters which are unlawful. So, he said, وَيَحْرُمُ So, haram are the following things. 
استقبال القبلة واستدبارها في غير بنيان ولبثه فوق حاجته وبوله في طريق وذل نافع وتحت شجرة عليه ثمرة So there are three uh, you, you, you can put them into three categories The following are unlawful well, I was going to the toilet The following are unlawful Number one Facing, facing or turning one's back to the Qibla when not inside a building Number two, remaining longer than needed, meaning in the toilet. And number three, urinating on a path or in useful shade or beneath beneath a fruit-bearing tree. A fruit-bearing tree. Okay, folks? All right, so let's attempt. Let's have a look at the uh, issues that uh, are going to come up. In this discussion, and subhanAllah, it's a very, actually, very interesting discussion. This is where we're going to start going in some deep uh, of fiqh. It's very, very nice. Okay, so Sheikh Uthameen, he says that uh, why did the the, the Hanbalis go straight out into Haram, Haram to face the Qibla and to uh, turn one's back to it? Because of the hadith of Abu Ayyub al Ansari, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Okay, so Abu Ayyub narrated this hadith. He is the one who said that don't face a qibla when you're urinating or defecating and don't turn your back towards a qibla, but rather turn to the right and or turn to the uh, rather turn to the east or turn to the west. Then Abu Ayyub said, he now carries on. He goes, We once went to Sham, Faqadimna uh, Asham. We went to Sham, Damascus area, um, and we found that toilets, marahil, had been built and they were facing towards the Kaaba. So, uh, so what we did is that we basically we altered them and we altered their direction when I stopped for Allah and we sought forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is narrated by Imam Bukhari, the hadith and his own commentary to it. It's very interesting, you see. So he's busted hadith as well. Then he said how we put it into practice as well. So got the hadith and got his got his application upon the hadith. Um, so this is the reason why the scholar said it's haram. Okay. And then we also have and and we know that when we say la tastaqbilu wa la tastadbiru, when you say don't face, don't uh, turn your back, it's just saying haram basically, right? This is the first lesson you learned in Surah Al-Fiqh. We've covered it before. That whenever we prohibit, then it means prohibition. Whenever we say don't do, when we say stop that, it means prohibition. Other than, other than what? If a second evidence comes along and suggests that it is makru only. Because maybe another evidence comes along and, and showed it being allowed, the action, in a certain stage. Well, if that's the case and the evidence shows that, then it would, it would indicate that the action is permissible, inshallah. So, um, and what's interesting, what Sheikh says, uh, he goes, the hadith, what, what, what we can benefit from the hadith is that it's not enough just to change the degree by five degrees or, you know, just like change your position a little bit. That's clearly not enough because even the hadith, it says, which basically is suggesting a complete turning. Al-inhiraf al-tam, yani complete. 
ولكن uh, and and so then so then so yeah okay now the question is the question is what is therefore the evidence therefore for not for not uh, doing this a ta'lil meaning the common sense the reasoning what's the actual reason minus the hadith for not for not uh, uh, doing this for not your for not um, facing or, or or putting it back to it if we use the same principle that we just mentioned for the uh, touching the private parts with the right hand anyone the qibla correct simple as that it's ihtiram al-qibla ihtiram al-qibla right that it's about respecting the qibla itself uh, and that's the reason why this uh, hadith the illa in the hadith the illa meaning the hadith is clear it says don't face it don't question is why what's the illa why is that why is the prohibition it's because the Prophet Sallallahu has made it clear that the qibla itself is something muhtaram respected and to do that is something disrespect, disrespectful but then we have the second part of the statement okay because on the first part of the statement there's very few scholars that had any issue with that we're going to have a big discussion about that in a second there's very few scholars that have a problem with that but you're thinking about hold on toilets because you don't have the idea that you go outside into an open area for toilets so then the second part of that first prohibition is فِيَغَيْرِ بُنْيَانِ فِيَغَيْرِ بُنْيَانِ meaning outside of a building so it's prohibited outside of a building so the Hamlis are trying to say inside the building inside a built up toilet or built up separated kind of you know uh, structure then it's no problem this is what they're trying to say so in that in that statement when they say that it is يَحْرُمْ وَيَحْرُمُ اسْتِقْبَالُ الْقِبْلَةِ وَاسْتِدْبَارُهَا it is haram to face or turn one's back to the Qibla whilst defecating or urinating when you are outside the building. Therefore, inside the building, no problem, according to the Hanbalis. In fact, not just the Hanbalis, but the Jamhur al-Ulama, the Shafi'is, the Malikis, and the majority of the scholars. Why is that? Let's open this discussion. Okay? Um, the reason for that is primarily a, 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 a hadith. And this hadith is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. May Allah be pleased with him and his father. Where he said, رَقِيتُ يَوْمًا عَلَى بَيْتِ أُخْتِي حَفْصَةً فَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ قَائِدًا لِحَاجَتِهِ مُسْتَقْبَلَ الشَّامِ مُسْتَدْبِرُ الْكَعْبَةِ This hadith has been narrated uh, by, uh, so this hadith states that I once got onto the roof of the house uh, ascended to the roof of the house of my sister Hafsa and I saw the Prophet ﷺ going to the toilet and he was facing Sham, facing Damascus basically, or Palestine I should say um, and his back was told to the Kaaba okay so immediately we have a problem here because the hadith said you're not allowed to turn your back to the Kaaba or, or face the Kaaba. When we say Qibla, we mean Kaaba, by the way, okay? As the scholars said, when you hear the word Qibla, it means Kaaba. So um, we have the statement saying don't do it, but the action of the Prophet ﷺ is clearly showing it, okay? So this is the this is the issue. And this is the popular opinion in the Hamli Madhab that because of this action of the Prophet ﷺ inside his house, remember last week we established that the Prophet ﷺ did have an area 
for going to the toilet inside his house and house of Aisha especially. Okay, and they therefore they allow it inside the house because it's a bunyan. Balqanu rahimahumullah. Indeed, they said yakfil ha'il wa in lam yakun bunyan. Kama lo tajah ila kawmatin min ramlin akamaha wa kana waraaha aw ila shajaratin ma ashbah dalik. Yani he goes. In fact, in the madhab, it is sufficient, and that's what's narrated in Sharh Muntahil Iradat, which is one of the main books of commentary, humbly commentary, without doing the comparison that we're doing. But this is not what you would call strictly a humbly commentary. Our commentary is much more wide and much more relaxed, looking at the other madhahib, taking what we feel to be strongest, etc. You know what I'm saying? So the Prophet, the Prophet in his hadith has indicated that it that in the hadith has been seen to be in the doing, going to the toilet in the building. Therefore, the Hanbalis and the majority of the scholars, they said it's allowed in the building. The Hanbalis even went further. They said, in actual fact, any kind of barrier between you and the outside will do. Even if you, they said, you, you get a sand dune and you go to the toilet behind the sand dune to create a barrier. Even if you use a tree or anything similar to that, it is sufficient for them. Some of the scholars said, some of the scholars said, it is not permissible at all to face the Qibla or to uh, turn one's back to it. At all, at any time, whether in a building or outside. This has been narrated by Imam Ahmed and a narration from uh, Imam Ahmed. And they said that the reason for this is because the, uh, the statement of the Prophet is a statement. Isn't it? He said, don't face the Qibla and don't turn one, one, one's back towards it. That's the Qawl. That's the, uh, the, 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 the statement. Amal Amal, as the action, okay, then the action of Sayyidina Abu Ayyub is a proof of it. Because, they were they were buildings. They were buildings themselves. And so he went there. And we change them. It was not enough to just uh, leave it and and uh, allow it, and uh, you know, and therefore he had to he, he uh, uh, that just the fact that it was in a building was not good enough. So the action of Abu Ayyub is a clear indicator. Okay. Now and so how did they respond to the hadith of Abu Ayyub? Uh, uh, the hadith sorry of Abdullah ibn Umar. The first one they said that. Uh, they said that, um, well, I'm going to open up to you guys. What do you think? How can we respond to the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar? Abrogated. Abrogated, very good. So the action of the Prophet was done before he prohibited the action. That's the first one. Okay, any other uh, uh, possible possibilities? Mm -hmm. Hadith is weak, very good. In actual fact, in actual fact, we can say that a number of the ulama, they consider this hadith to be weak. Um, because um, of Qais and this hadith we're going to cover we're going to cover in detail later we're not going to cover this hadith now because this hadith comes into its own importance in later chapters but yes a number of scholars consider this hadith to be weak Imam Ahmed from them Yahya ibn Ma'in the teacher of Imam Bukhari from them who else uh, I think Imam Dhabi as well okay but likewise quite a few Imam Tabarani and uh, Ibn Hajar also didn't have a major issue with the hadith. So it's split down the line. There were a big number of scholars that considered the hadith to be weak, and there are a number of scholars that considered the hadith to be uh, authentic. And in fact, some of the scholars said that regardless of whatever anyone says, what you think, I know that this hadith is more authentic than the hadith of Abu Yubal Ansari, which has also been narrated by Imam Ahmed. 
okay, in more detail anyway. Uh, so uh, the point is that there is a discussion there. There's definitely a discussion about the authenticity of the hadith. The other, the other point is that some people said that there is no uh, that where 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 um, uh, where, where two things where two things uh, uh, um, contradict one another. Okay, you're not allowed to go to the principle of saying that one's abrogated. This is a very important rule, unless you are unless it's impossible to combine them, to reconcile them. Okay, you have to try and reconcile, and if reconciliation is not possible, then it makes it uh, possible. Then it makes it possible, therefore, to say that one is abrogated or not. Now, I want you to say, I want you to see that, according to Sheikh Uthaymeen, he says warrajih. Now, when Sheikh Uthaymeen says warrajih, and he doesn't use the word sahih, I was having a discussion with Hisham about this uh, yesterday, last night, that how come scholars can just come and just, you know, when big ulama like the four imams say this is the position, this is the position, and then us not come along and then we say, but the rajih is this, the sahih is this, is this arrogance or not? And I said to him that. Um, depending upon the scholar, his ta'abir, his terminology is to be seen uh, according to how you understand who that scholar is. Okay, so sometimes if he's not a very much, if he's like some of these young lads who go around, you know, uh, these fools day and night, then them bowling, uh, you know, uh, bowling about and saying this is sahih, this is rajik, that means nothing basically because they're not known for knowledge and they're just wasting their time. And they don't know what fiqh is, they never studied their opinions, they just read a book yani, of Sheikh Mubazid, this Sheikh Dimit said that rajik bowl sahih, Albani says it back last Right? That's obviously nonsense. As for when a scholar who is very careful with his words and you know that he's not, uh, 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 he goes through the evidences and you know that his respect for the ulama, whatever, then when he says that statement, then he's not trying to say that it's not possible that others are completely, that all, uh, all other opinions are batil, but he's saying that according to my opinion, this is what I think is correct and khalas. And this is fiqh, it's not aqidah. And in fiqh, everything is possible. It's not yani, something which is, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, cut from stone. So, um, but I do want to say something that when Sheikh Uthameen is very, very confident about something, he will, he will bust the Sahih word. This is the correct and the only position. But when he knows that there's some discussion happening and it's, you know, possible, possible this, possible that, then he'll say, well, Rajah. Rajah means the preponderant opinion. Rajah means the one which seems stronger. Right? Stronger. Which, which, when you say stronger, that also allows the other position to be strong. Not just that it's weak. You see what I'm saying? When you say this is sahih, then the other one must be da'if. Yes? Right? When you say rajih, stronger, then the first one can be strong. So this is like a more adabi kind of statement. When you see Shaykh Uthameen say this, you know that he is recognizing that this issue is a bit more difficult than the norm. That's why he said, وَالرَّاجِحْ أَنَّهُ يَجُوزْ فِي الْبُنْيَانِ إِسْتِدْبَارُ الْقِبْلَةِ دُونَ إِسْتِقْبَالِهَا he said that the correct opinion is that it is permissible to face the uh, to, to, to turn the back towards the qibla but not to face it to turn the back towards the qibla but not to face it whilst in a building because because the prohibition which is super clear and is supported by both hadith if you think about it in the hadith of Abu Ayyub the Prophet said don't face it don't Turn your back to it. In the hadith of Abdullah bin Umar, he had his back to it. So therefore, what is very clear for if you take both hadith and combine them, is that what there is no doubt is that to face the qibla is prohibited. Because the Prophet didn't do it when he was in his house, and the statement of the Prophet is made very, very clear as well. Is that is that is that clear? And this therefore is the, the, the position of Shaykh al-Uthameen. 
والنهي عن استدبار خصوصا بما إذا كان في البنيان. Because and therefore when we and then you might say well okay then what's the meaning therefore of the prohibition of of back of uh, putting the back towards the Qibla in the hadith of Abu Ayyub? What's the answer to that? Correct. Exactly. Therefore when we read the hadith when the Prophet said, when Abu Ayyub said don't turn your back to the Qibla this is therefore meaning outside. This is therefore meaning outside. As for when you're talking facing the Qibla then is referring to all times, all times, inside and outside. This is Sheikh Uthameen's opinion, and I have to say, I have to say, and, and, and he goes, and also this makes sense as well, because al-istidbar ahwan min istiqbal, to urinate towards something is, is disgraceful, isn't it? And to turn, to turn your back to something is less disgraceful, it's not completely disgraceful, it's not completely not disgraceful, but it's less disgraceful. Does that make sense? Yeah? But the real thing is when you urinate towards something. That's, of course, thing. in the gangster films, they urinate on them. Isn't it? That's what Phil said. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the boys do. Is that not true? All right. So, so, and Sheikh Uthameen also says, and he makes a statement at the end, he goes, regardless of what we think is this and that, Al-Afdal was better, there's no doubt, to not even try to turn your back towards it as well, okay? To not to, to, to turn your back towards it. Now, um, that's fine, but I'm just going to now just show to you a little bit more detail in this in this matter, because actually it's not as as uh, 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 simple as we might yani, think. Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti, he said it is completely impermissible any time to face the Qibla or to turn your back towards it, whether in a toilet, in an apartment, in a building or outside. He said that there are six positions on this matter and I would like to quote them to you so that you get the names of the ulama down. He said al-qawl al-awwal is that it is, as I just said, completely impermissible, completely impermissible, back or front, in a building or outside a building. This is the position of Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqayti, which is scary, okay? If that wasn't scary um, enough, then it's also the position of the Hanafi Madhab official. And it gets even scarier. This is the position of Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah as well. Which is very, very scary. Very, 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 very scary. And it's also, yani, you know, and if you want to then take it even further and make it even more scarier, then it is the statement of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. And it's his position. And Mujahid, who's a student of... Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas, very good. Ibrahim al-Nakhai, who's a student of... Abdullah ibn Sufyan, very good. And Imam Sufyan al-Thawri, and also in a narration from Imam Ahmed, which is why Shaykh al-Islam al he took that position, okay? Because he felt much more confident that his own Imam um, took that. So that's the first position, completely impermissible, okay? Completely. The second position is that it is completely permissible to face and back the Qibla at all times. Okay, so the exact opposite of the first uh, position. And this is the, uh, who do you think is upon this position? Correct. Ibn Hazm and the, uh, the, uh, the Zahiriya. Okay, the Zahiriya. Actually, in fairness, the, narr the narration from Ibn Hazm is weak that he's upon this, but the Zahiri Madhab, which is the literalists, okay, they're the ones who allowed this. They just took the, the action of the Prophet ﷺ and they said, well, you know, this is, uh, you know, an evidence, it supports it, it establishes it, and therefore it's allowed. Um, 
the third uh, and actually uh, and also there are some of the Salaf that allow this Urwa ibn Zubair is one of them and Rabi'a the teacher of Rabi'a the teacher of Imam al-Shafi'i so um, they're the ones who allowed it the third the third position is that it is allowed to turn your back to it but you know you are not allowed to face it okay or face all right the Qibla this is a narration from Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Ahmed and uh, some of the Salaf the fourth position is that it is allowed to turn your back to it but not face it in a building and not outside okay is that clear يجوز الاستدبار دون الاستقبال في البليان دون صحراء it's allowed to turn your back to it but not to face it in a building, not outside the Sahra. That's the narration of Imam Abu Hanifa. And that's the position of Shaykh Uthameen, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah? That's the way that we can say that it's what Shaykh Uthameen's position. The fifth statement, the fifth, the fifth position, is that it is allowed to face and to turn one's back in a building, but outside it's not allowed at all. Both of them are not allowed. So both are allowed inside the building, and both are not allowed outside the building. What's the whose position is this? Look closer to look closer to home. <laughs> okay, closer than that. The text in front of you. That's actually the text that we we're studying. The the text itself states that, isn't it? Yeah. What 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 did, what did the text say? Wayahrum ish. Sheikh Al Hajawi in Zad Mustaqna, the humbly position. That's his position. He said that it's not permissible. It's uh, 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 it's not permissible to face or to turn one's back outside of a building. Inside of a building, it's allowed. So immediately you know that the humblies allow it. Yes, you happy with that? The humblies allow it, but not just the humblies. This, as I said to you, is the position of the jamhur. It's the Maliki school, the Shafi'i school, the humbly school. It is the position of Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu it's also the position of Abdullah ibn Umar himself, the one who saw the action. And then the sixth position, the sixth position, the sixth statement is that it is um, it is not allowed to face or turn your back towards the Qibla at all whilst urinating and defecating, but also not allowed to do it to Beit al-Maqdis as well. So it's like position one, but they add Beit al-Maqdis. This is the narration of Al-Hasan al-Basri, Rahmatullahi. So it's nice because you can get to see how much yani, uh, of the ulama they differ amongst themselves and the little details that they go into. And it's nice also, I like this position because um, in actual fact, it kind of carries on with the same illa. If you're going to say that the illa is disrespected a qibla, then Baytul Maqdis is our third holiest and it used to be a qibla and it is something which is musharrafa, muqaddasa, okay? And so I, I personally, I gotta say that I like this uh, Imam Hassan al-Basri's position. Sheikh Sheikh Mahmoud al-Shakiti he says no, no doubt, no doubt that the position number one is the correct position, which is very scary. It's very scary because number one, the Hadith of Abu Yubal Ansari is very very clear. It's a Hadith which is a Hadith Bukhari, okay, and therefore we can't mess it up. Right? He says it very very clearly. Don't face it and don't uh, uh, don't turn it around the other way either.
The second problem, he goes, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, it could be abrogated. All right? Third uh, uh, problem, he goes that um, when you have a hadith which is going up against another one, then you will have to try and reconcile. When you're reconciling between a hadith which is a statement, this is a very important benefit for you. This is like the gem of gems, right? When you have a statement of the Prophet ﷺ and the action of the Prophet ﷺ, what do you think happens according to the scholars? What do you think the scholars do? So they're, they're trying to solve a problem when they've got conflicting evidences. A statement meaning the Prophet ﷺ said, this is a statement, don't face it, I don't turn you back to it. And then you have an action of the Prophet. He did istidbar to the Qibla. You've actually gone to stage two without answering stage one. Meaning, stage one is what is the principle, or is there even a principle that helps us in a discussion when it comes to statement of a, a, a hadith which is qawli and a hadith which is fairy? Meaning, a statement of the Prophet and action. Anyone? Action, action all day. Action what? Action all day. This is interesting. Statement. What? Why action all day? Uh, there's no interpretation when there's an action. Very good statement, that, isn't it? Yeah. When there's an action, you can't like, you know, a statement could be taken like this, could be taken like that. But when there's an action, it's clear. He's put it out. This is a nice argument. Anyone want to counter that? Well, the, the problem with an action is that you don't know the circumstances behind it because there's no explanation for it. So there could have been, it could have been an exception, it could have been, it could have been a lot of reasons. That could be said a lot more for a statement. Right. So hold on one second. That response is even better than the first statement. Yeah, I need the statement that yeah, says that. that, that, that <laughs> <laughs> so this is Ottawa versus Montreal here. Yeah, I need. You know what I'm saying. Right. Hold on. Senators. Who won our senators last night? That's Guess where? No, nice. Huh? Last night. You just started giving all that. Well, Crosby won, eh? Oh, shut up. <laughs> right, so, so Canadians are not even in it, are they? No, no, they're not. Yeah, they're rubbish, shut up. Anyway, listen. So, um, so this is good. This is really good. This is what I wanted to see. The first point is, is that should we, should we, you know, when we have an action and we have a statement, are they the same? They're, they're, they're always the same unless there's a problem. I just want to make it very clear. That you can't say that the statement is stronger or the, the thing is stronger. Absolutely. Absolutely no, you can't say that. The only time we open this kind of worms, this discussion, is when we cannot reconcile between two hadith. Now we start going to the next code now. Okay? Does that make sense? That is so important. Right? You don't open this discussion if there's a possibility to actually, you know, uh, reconcile. If you cannot reconcile, then you start to then talk about, right, what's the issue here, what's the issue there, and so on and so forth. So, let's look at this now. It all goes that action has to come forward first. Of course it does, because there's no way of misinterpreting it then. You've, you've, you've played it out. Who's played it out? Well, the Prophet has played it out. What better application would you want to understand? Omar says, but the problem with that is if you depend upon the action, you what you don't know is the circumstance behind that action. And that's what nearly every scholar said. In Asul. Because when you see an action of the Prophet, then we don't know whether it was harsh to him, specific to him. We don't know that. And many, many times it is something which is specific to the Prophet. Um, and also the action in of itself is not qatia, not not definitive because it could be abrogated. It still could be abrogated. So um so some people said that. Um 
So therefore, you're supporting the statement. You're saying coal goes over thread. Anyone else want to chuck to this argument? There's, there's still more to be said. Well, yeah, t t timing is timing is difficult. Timing is difficult uh, to, to 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 determine all the time. I have to say that Sheikh uh, um, uh, he said Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shakiti he did say that the hadith of uh, um, uh, Abdul Umar happened early, but he doesn't really have big evidence for that. It's a good point. Yeah, to say that the hadith of Abu Ayyub is a bit later because then he said we went to Sham straight away, it could lend itself to the fact that it's happening later, but not not necessarily yani here. But at this moment in time, I'm not now talking about, I'm not necessarily talking about the, uh, debating these two hadith. I'm actually going deeper. I want to debate the two principles. That if hadith are the same, meaning we can't reconcile between them, something has to give, what are we going to use? Are we going to give precedence to, because we know what we're going to do. When hadith, when, listen, if we have a hadith which says X and we have a hadith which says Y, Ahl-Sunnah, yeah, no, Ahl-Sunnah will, will take both. Ahl-Sunnah act on both. Because if the Sanad is Sahih, then the hadith is Sahih, and that is our madhab. This is Ahl-Sunnah. Ahl uh, everything else, they do whatever they want. You know what I'm saying? But if we have a hadith sahih, a sunnah always act by it because we know that's sunnah of the Prophet So it doesn't matter. So that's that's the first thing. But when a hadith are contradicting each other, then that's the real fiqh, and then that's when knowledge needs to come to play. When hadith are all authentic and saying different things, they also issue nothing. But when the hadith are all on talking about one thing and they contradict, we have to have a system. The scholars have to try and work out, well, what am I going to do here? How am I going to work it out? Well, the first and the obvious one is what? When two hadith contradict each other, which one is sahih? Which one Correct. Is the first thing you do is establish authenticity, and you might find one's in Bukhari, another one is in like Darimi, and it's very weak and it's co-fabricated, and it's the end of story. So we just throw that away, and then we take this one. If the hadith are both authentic, sanadan, okay, then we might then look at an issue whether it's contradicting Quran. There's a hidden fault, or it's contradicting Quran, meaning that, that that's much more, much more difficult, because to say that an authentic hadith is contradicting yani, an authentic nas like Quran is a big kabir statement. Right. So the next thing then we start to do is this discussion. Look at them. Is one a statement and one an action? Or are they both actions or are they both statements? Now let's look at our scenario. One's an action, one's a statement. Okay? If there's an action or a statement, which goes first? Phil put the argument forward, action, this is clear. Uh, Omar responded, said, well, action is, is inherently weaker versus a statement in a scenario because we don't know the circumstances of that action. There's just one more thing that I want to hear that will that will win the debate. It will win the debate, the next statement. Allah praises the Prophet. Yeah. So whatever he does, yeah. I take it. Okay. So is that acceptable if he وسلم, uh, uh, changes that action later? It's not, is it? Which is a proof that therefore not every action of the Prophet is to be just taken. Because if he himself does an action and then abrogates it afterwards, then obviously the abrogated action is of not. Of course, but right. we don't know which can So, if we don't know, can therefore we be super confident and go with the action? That's the discussion. That's what the Umar said. You see, there's a doubt there. Are we sure? There's one more argument, 
I don't know, I can tell you for which one, but it is the qatir, it is the one that will, will kill it. Is it depending on process? You know there's, there's certain actions where only for the process, like it's continuous fasting. Okay. So we know, so we see the Prophet is doing something, we don't necessarily know what the process is. Okay. It doesn't mean you should do it. Too. Okay. So what's that, what's that supported? Uh, the supporting taking the same as the Okay, you're kind of there, but you haven't said what I want to hear. Which would therefore support what then? The In the action. support action. Um, you, uh, which would only be acceptable, the, the option of taking easier would only be uh, acceptable if both, yeah, if the both are suggesting that. Here, when something is prohibiting and the evidences are, are the same, the ASER option is not, is not into play. This is contradiction. The Prophet ﷺ taking the easy option of the two that, as Aisha said, he would take the, is two permissible options. So this is about haram and haram. How did the how did Abdullah bin Umar, how did he re behave? How, how did he, he himself he himself he chose his position. He said it's allowed to do it in a building. It's not allowed outside. It's clear for him that this action was permission permission for him. It's clear for him that in this instance he took the action of the Prophet over his prohibition. But as I said. We're not debating the hadith at this moment in time. We're, hadith, we're debating the principle. We'll deb Once we establish the principle, then we'll debate the hadith. This is what I want to try and build you up to. But I want that final statement. Um, repeat the answers and questions. Yeah, okay. Uh, what, 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 I, what, I, what I want to hear from you is that what is going to win it for either statement or action? No, Sheikh uh, Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, he says, وَالْقَاعِدَةِ يعني The principle is, أَنَّهُ إِذَا تَعَارُضَ الْقَوْلِ وَالْفِعْلِ قَدَّمْنَا الْقَوْلِ عَلَى الْفِعْلِ When there are a statement and an action that contradict, we will put the statement over the action. That's the correct position. Why? Okay, that's the, that's the qaida. Okay, that's what you write down when you're, when you're learning a qaida from a qawaid al that if there are the ta'arud al-qawl wal-fi'l that if there is a, a, a contradiction uh, between a statement and an action then we will give precedence to the statement over the action why? لِأَنَّ الْفِعْل in the action, as Umar said the possibility of specificity always comes in with the action meaning that if the Prophet does an action there's always the possibility that it's only allowed for him. What about in a statement? It's not possible. It's not possible. And that's why he said, بخلاف القول الذي خوطبت به الأمة فيكون دليل القول الأرجح يعني that when you make a statement it's clearly not about him. Because if it was about him then why would you tell everyone else to do it? You know what I'm saying? And that is the winning that's the winning argument. That's the winning argument. Is that clear? Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is a really, really important principle. It's sort of a really beneficial point. 
uh, that, that scholars use. Now, when that, that scenario presents itself, when there's a difference between two things, uh, action and a statement in one mas'ala, then we reluctantly, not happily, because we've tried everything and we're not sure. And it's all still not sure. You've seen all the scholars who didn't agree with that principle. There was like six others, uh, five other statements. And, and uh, it's enough for me to tell you that the majority of the scholars didn't agree with the agree with this principle, but they didn't agree with the outcome of this principle. Because if we establish this principle, which is clear, now I hope that you understand that the statement is given precedence over an action. When you use this principle now in our scenario, what's going to win? No, no, if when we use the principle that statement precedes action in our now mas'ala, what's the conclusion? Correct. The hadith of Abu Ayyub is their king, therefore king, and the conclusion is that it is not allowed at all to face the Qibla or to turn your back towards the Qibla. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. And I tell you what Sheikh Muhammad Khtar Shanqayti said, Hafizullah he made this uh, interesting statement. He said that even look at this discussion. He goes, look at this argument. He goes, how can anyone argue uh, against this position when Abu Ayyub al-Ansari has made such a clear statement and Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar, what's his evidence? What's his evidence? Seeing. Seeing what? Seeing something it shouldn't be seeing. Seeing something it shouldn't be seeing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seeing something it shouldn't have been seeing. Yeah, that shouldn't have been happening. Right? And how is that an evidence for the Ummah? How is the Prophet ﷺ teaching his nation in a secret action that he didn't want anyone to see? When you think about it, it's so it's so, so obvious, right? It's like, and uh, I mean, it's such a strong argument. It terrifies me because this is a hardcore position, right? Because basically saying that clearly, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar, he saw it, he didn't, he didn't uh, meant to see it. He, you don't, people don't go, and that's why we don't. That's why in our houses, in our villages, you'll know that roofs are not open. Roofs have walls around them. Because this is exactly what you can see into the house of your neighbors and the women and this and that, whatever. It's a big problem. And so therefore, he shouldn't have seen it, but he did. And if he did, he just reports on the fact of the result. But he said, from an evidence point of view, the Prophet is legislating for his nation by an action, khafi, secret, private, not possible. Yeah. Wouldn't even in a legal sense, if somebody were to see something they're not supposed to and bring it to a judge, the judge would throw out what he saw. That's, that, that, that's, that, that was the whole problem with wiretaps, right? Yeah. That's why they were, were inadmissible for evidence. If they're done, uh, thinking it's, it's a good point. In all legal systems, there's an understanding that if you see something, although they're trying to change it, right? No, but I'm saying in Islamic law, if you were to see something. Oh, right, right. Islamically, there's no doubt. Mm. Islamically, there's no doubt. But I'm saying that even in legal systems, yeah. there is an understanding that when you do something in secret, in private, whatever, then you're not allowed. Until America came along and started mm -hmm. to rewrite the whole book, yeah, entrapment, wire this, that, whatever. And this whole deba debate in England. This is the reason why they won't allow wiretapping to be admissible as evidence. It's one of the reasons, anyway. Yeah. Um, so I found that very, very interesting. I think that the uh, the fuck behind the matter is very delicate. And now for the problem. Here's the problem. As I said to you, the majority of people, they don't have a clue what's happening. Right? They don't know anything. But you'd hope at least they know Qibla, even if they're dodgy, you know, <laughs> whatever, phones. So I'm saying to you now that there are people inside that, I mean, let's just be fair for a second. First of all, if you follow the, the Hamil Madhab, you're okay in your house, okay? If you follow this, the majority of the scholars, you're okay in your house. If you're following the position of Sheikh Hussein, you're okay in your house if you have your back to it. 
Now, just on that point, I'm going to hesitate. You create a toilet, or you have a toilet, for example, okay? And in this toilet, if you are going to the toilet and you are urinating, standing up, then just sit down. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're urinating towards the Qibla, turn around and sit down, and then you're urinating the other direction. So this is a this is a plus point for, for Sunnah, for sitting down. Yeah, that's 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 the first point. The second point, though, or the, or the or the other point to take from this is that my I myself, but I don't rule by this. I keep this to myself. Okay, this isn't what you call like a personal opinion. My personal opinion has always been the opinion of Sheikh uh, Taymiyyah on this issue, which is that it's completely impermissible inside a building, outside a building. And so, if you are about to build your house, okay, please check the directions of your toilets. And if you have a toilet, okay. In your house, which is towards Qibla, okay, then you need to do a little kind of angle flex on it. You know what I'm saying? That's okay, isn't it? Good things to circle, isn't it? Whatever way you sit on the circle, it's still going to be a circle. Huh? Back to the fiqh of toilets, man. I told you guys, man, to choose the toilet bowl and assistant. This is an ilm. No one believes me. I've been telling these guys all the time, yeah, and when I was choosing the toilet thing, you got to be careful. You don't choose one which is very, very thin like this. Because if it's very thin, sharp wall like that, if you turn around on that, that's going to cause a mess, isn't it? Whereas if you sit on the one which is like that, that's okay. If the thick is, is that if you buy one which is all round and big and so on, then whatever. You know, uh, uh, you guys obviously, it's not nothing for you, but I was telling these guys in, in London, in uh, London, in England, it was, went all packed there for a second, called, called England, London. And you know, yeah, when you go to Pakistan, that, yeah, where do you live? Do you live in London? They call the country London, isn't it? Anyway. Somalis as well, yeah? Roma as well. Every nation in the world calls England. Anyway, in England, um, uh, I was saying to the guys there that from the fuck of toilets, of course, is to get a toilet that has a certain kind of, you know, drop zone. And it hits the water. Just prevents splashback and so on. And, you know, we were talking about that whole thing that obviously there's a pro and a con. And these guys don't know that your toilets have water all the way up to the top, which has an advantage of minimizing the drop zone Therefore, little splash, but the big disaster, of course, that if you're washing yourself, it's all over the place because it's that whole wash thing. But then the what's different is that when you uh, flush the toilet, when you don't flush the toilet, all of your water disappears. Yeah. When we flush our toilets, the water doesn't disappear. Yeah, the water doesn't disappear. I mean, the water, the, the, obviously the dirty water disappears, but it's replaced immediately. Whereas in your toilets, it disappears, and then it starts to replace. All right, yeah? Yeah? And so therefore... No, right? No, no, the big one is just a, a less water being used. That's the that's recycling thingy. That's from a recycling point of view that they want to minimize. If you go for a number one, press a small one, and it's going to do a little refresh. And if you go for you know some serious behavior, right? Then, <laughs> then you press the big button, and it really flushes the whole behavior through and brings the full whack down in terms of water. But the principles are the same. There's always water there. Now the advantage of the your guys, Yani, the American one, is that when you flush and there's nothing there, if you were to wash yourself, there's no splashing. That's why I said. That's why I said that every toilet at this moment in time is not an Islamic toilet. They all have a problem. 
the ones on the floor even, yani, they're so close, yani, you're right there, your backside is right next to the whole porcelain, you can't do anything there at all. Unless you have diarrhea, it means nothing. If you're not, if you're in a healthy state, you're in a healthy condition, sometimes the whole the whole the whole dip is not enough. What if like you have a you know, big meal or something? That could, <laughs> that could be a disaster, isn't it? You have to keep moving position all the way. I love this chapter, man. <laughs> Favorite chapter in the world. So if we can't do our our, our, our ground toilets, let's fix those. We don't then then we go get the round toilets and we can't fix the round toilets because some of them have got water in it right up to there. That's another problem, by the way. If your toilets, they're not all the same as well. Some of the water is halfway up. You know, you gotta understand in England, the water for our toilets is right at the bottom. I mean, there's like that much gap. And in some of your toilets, the water's up to here. And in others, it's like very, very high. So that could also get messy as well, you know what I'm saying? So, I can't believe that the whole world, they tried to make toilets, they can't fix it up. You know what I'm saying? And you have to start using other kind of methods and whatever. Shaz, how long we? That's a bit long enough, isn't it, Shaz? We could go here all day because there's no one standing up for salah, no one standing up for qama. At least in over there, all the uncles come in and start giving it the daggers, yani. What's happening? What's happening? And then we have to all get up because we get stressed. But at this moment in time, yani, everyone's relaxing, chilling. It's like I don't know, about three or four o'clock outside. Bit like Manchester, and it's raining, raining, raining hardcore. So we saying, Shaz? We are dead here. <laughs> Shaz, are you dead there because Yani the, the brothers have become dead? They've fallen asleep? Or Yani is dead quiet, Shaz? Don't be dissing me, Shaz, you know what I'm saying? I got Canadian folks to get dead quiet. Dead quiet and we're feeling dead, huh? Cheeky pack, is he? So I think uh, we'll I think we'll call it that. Is that yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the first haram. Yeah. That's the first things from the uh the, that's the first things from the haram matters. So why don't you open it for Q&A there, Shaz, and maybe some few questions are here, if we have any. Any queries? If Allah meant for Abdullah bin Ahmad to look at the Prophet <laughs> Okay. Because what did the, the Prophet said, the Prophet did Tawbah 70 times a day, but yeah. never since then. Yeah. But it's a lesson for us. Okay. So maybe it's not... What's the le what, what is the lesson? To do Tawbah, to repent, to go back to Allah Azzawajal frequently. But the Prophet was guaranteed Jannah. Correct. He has an Isma. Yep. There's no sin. Like the greatest human being that ever lived. But they tell us 70 times a day. Meaning what though? Meaning in this narration, meaning what? Or or in this in this in this scenario, meaning what? It was, sure he wasn't supposed, but it was an honest mistake. Who? Abdullah bin Ahmad. Abdullah bin Ahmad. Yeah, yeah. He still saw the Prophet sallallahu do this. Therefore, Therefore it cannot be taken as or should it be taken as proof? Right. Well, well, so hold on. There's many. We, let's not mix up matters here. Number one. Number number one. I, I, you know, I'm so glad you made that point because you reminded me of something completely different. Okay. You know, we said the possibility of um, uh, uh, yeah, being a spe special ruling. Okay, a special ruling. Um, uh, meaning, why a statement is taken over an action. We said that because the action has context, yes, and it could be specific to the Prophet. The other thing that's a problem with an action is that he could forget. He could do something wrong, mistakenly wrong. And now people might think, how's that possible? He's the Prophet. But the Prophet has an isma, meaning that he is forgiven his sins. The point you made just made, reminded me of that. Meaning that he's forgiven his mistakes and his and his whatever. So uh, uh, meaning that 
even if the Prophet did that, doesn't, especially if there is an opposing authentic evidence, doesn't negate the fact that the Prophet made a mistake right there, meaning forgot, meaning wasn't aware, and he and he uh, faced it, and he uh, right, and going further, going further. I mean, nisyan is, is common. I mean, nisyan forgetfulness is, is is something which is not 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 an issue. I'll go even further. I'll go even further and say, what is the reason that it is prohibited to face or uh, not face? Uh, face or turn your back towards the qibla when going to the toilet. Honor, honor and dignity, or, or, or insulting or not showing honor and dignity to the Kaaba. Is that possible from the Prophet? Not possible. He has his ma'asum, yani. He's free of sin. He cannot, He even if he tried, even if physically tried and said and spoke, he couldn't disrespect the qibla. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because he's ma'asum, he has an isma, he's protected. So he's protected from sin, not from mistake. So uh, actually, we could even argue in this kind of like roundabout kind of crazy kind of way, we could even argue that even if he did do it, and it is prohibited, even if he did it, if the illa is disrespecting the Kaaba, he couldn't disrespect the Kaaba anyway, so it's okay for him. Do you know what I'm saying? So is this a very interesting kind of uh, support of the whole uh, action uh, argument? Uh, meaning that uh, here is a really good example, but I mean, even in the principal stage, that when you're looking at an action, there are so many variables. That's the point. There are so many variables that come up when an action is, even though there are variables with a statement as well, but the variables are less. They're less. And when they're less, then we've got to give it the strength. And that's why the statement is then given precedence of the thingy in Surah Al-Fiqh and Mustalah Al-Hadith. Yeah. Just to comment in this case, though, um, the Prophet if, he, if it's in his house or that's one of his wives, it's it's unlikely that he forgot to keep, you know, to order the bathroom that way over and over and over again. Possible, which is why the scholars, when they uh, when they discuss this matter, they never used forgetfulness as the reason why he did it. They always put down abrogation that it was allowed, and then it was prohibited afterwards. When they were debating this matter, when they were, yeah. Any questions online, uh, Shaz, with respect to the um? Uh, in the portal. Hope you guys are keeping my seat warm. Honestly, I come here custom for a nice holiday, and would you give me rain? You just missed the beautiful. Honestly, last week, huh? Well, I just want to say shout out to Edmonton, massive, mashallah. What a people, what a weather, what a barbecue, and barbecue, and barbecue, and barbecue, and barbecue. Here I come, and they give me shawarma. Awesome. It's very difficult. Although lie, I went to uh, I went to uh, Zaki's. 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 Steak sandwich. Some, but no, no. Chicken, 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 chicken yeah, bro. Yeah, it's it's some baked flex. they've got some baked flex roast going down here. Shaz. Zaki, Zaki, Zaki is called. And I went there, Shaz. Honestly, I'm not gonna tell you how many pieces Shaz, but boy, man, we smashed it, Shaz. Yes, man. <laughs> back, back to back to boring ones. Go on. Um, the last opinion that you mentioned, you said that uh, uh, Sheikh Shankiti mentioned six opinions. Yeah. You mentioned the last one of Al Hassan Al Basri. Yeah. Yeah. Is that opinion that inside and outside it is not permissible, or just outside is not permissible? You mentioned that back and front not allowed, and also it cannot face by Tumakis. According to according to uh, what? Because uh, I, I I haven't heard that from Hassan Basri myself. Or I mean, read it from him myself. 
But according to what Sheikh Mohammed Shankit is saying, meaning that inside, outside, not happening, which is a hard call. But at least it maintains the it maintains the, the yeah it maintains the statement will go through is consistent, consistent in statement, consistent in theory and sentiment and everything. Hey, Buna, what do you reckon? Okay. What does that mean in practical terms for someone who breaks into the world tour? If you actually followed that opinion, we're going to something that, that was, you know, the, the washer was shaking a certain way and you couldn't because you were under pain. Yes. At what point? So, uh, Buna saying that, uh, what about if you walk into a place or whatever and um, uh, 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 you don't have any option? Then, as I said, I think that you change position. That's not possible? Yeah. I think that's okay. Take by the 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 the, the call this talfiq. Yani the, the, the scholars of the madahib they say taking a concession by going by another scholar's permissibility. Right? And that's what we would say as well. But we wouldn't call it talfiq. We would say by just accepting and hoping and that because it's a matter of khilaf and I had no intention and I don't have any other choice and alhamdulillah a number of scholars said it's allowed and I go with it and, 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 and I just want to make it clear I know that we've been having a big discussion but I wanted it more because obviously students want to understand the principle I do think that my opinion is a minority opinion well it is I told you there's only Abu Ayyub that holds it and, and Ibn Taymiyyah <laughs> right? <laughs> right but it is obviously still a minority opinion the majority obviously uh, still are saying that it's uh, it's, uh, it's allowed so so um, uh, so yeah, yeah, Omar, yeah. Um, did any of the scholars uh, deduce based on both these hadith that they're sahih and that um, it's possible that inside of the house it is makru or in general it is makru to face the Kaaba from the front or the back? Because for example you have a statement and you have a contradiction similar to when the Prophet said for example that it is not permissible to speak after Aisha but we know that the Prophet did speak after Aisha so that some of the scholars say it's not haram, it's brought it down to the level of makruh. So that's the basic principle, isn't it? That when you have a statement which says something is haram and then you have an evidence which would suggest otherwise, then it brings it down to makruh, generally. And there, are, and there are some scholars, yes, but it's not a popular opinion because the hadith is so uh, strong in its statement mm -hmm. of haram. Uh, but uh, sometimes to come, go down to, to karaha, You'd have to need it. Now, you just remind me of something else completely. I'm going to finish off the really interesting, uh, uh, because some of the questions are coming in now from the portal, and the first question has just reminded me of the, the final statement that Sheikh Al-Tameen makes on this subsection. He, he said, in summary, we've said that you should not face or uh, uh, turn your back towards the Kaaba, and that's what we hope Sheikh Al-Tameen is saying. Try your best. But if you do turn your back to it, no problem. Yeah, this is what he said inside the building. Inside the building, he goes. Let's just conclude, though. Let's conclude something else. Facing the Kaaba, facing the Kaaba can sometimes be haram, like in urination, urinating, and facing the Kaaba can be wajib, such as in prayer, and sometimes it can be makruh, such as. No, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard any evidence for that. Yeah, oh, oh, we're going to come to that in a second. I want someone to try and guess what Sheikh Hutamin is saying. I mean, remember, he's going to be based on evidence. 
Makro is a is a legal statement. That's why. That's why sleeping is not acceptable because there's no legal evidence. The legal answer is to do the Jumu'ah khutbah. Okay, it's makro to do the khutbah Jumu'ah towards because you're basically turning your back to the folks yeah, and speaking to them. It's allowed though, by the way. Yeah, the khatib to face the qibla and give the khutbah. And rest the people. I'm just saying it's allowed. That's it. That's the thing. Yeah, you don't deserve to see my face. <laughs> so that's something which is allowed, right? It's allowed, but it's some makru. Uh, and uh, and you go. Sometimes it is mustahab. Go. Such as. Making dua, very good. Number one, making wudu, excellent. Two, and uh, so this is the conclusion of his state of his statement of haram, wajib, makru, mustahab. He then he then said he goes he, then some scholars even said, inna kulla ta'atin al-afdalu fiha istiqbal al-qibla illa bidalil. Some scholars said that went as far as to say that every act of obedience facing the Qibla in that act of obedience is a recommended matter unless there's an evidence, clear evidence to the contrary. Have you got that statement? I'll try and repeat it again, but it's going to be different. Um, every act of obedience, worship, every act of worship, facing the Qibla during it is something recommended Unless there is an evidence which would suggest otherwise, yeah, yeah, as clear evidence that would prohibit that. Okay, this is what some of the scholars said. What do you think about that? <coughs> Good, Jayid. Sheikh Uthameen says he goes, "Well, I can feel had another way because it's not about that. It's not about that. He goes because if we made this a qaeda, if we made this a principle, for in for in khilaf al ma'roof then this would differ the most famous and well-known principle, which is what? If this was the case, if this was acceptable as a statement, what would this therefore contradict the most popular thing that we know about worship? No. Correct. Well done. That the al-aslu fil al-tahrim, al-hadar. That in worship, the base principle is that everything is prohibited. You cannot say anything about ibadah unless there is an evidence that suggests it. Not the other way around. Because you see what he, those scholars said. Those scholars said that every time that you do any act of ibadah and you face the Kaaba Qibla towards it, then it is uh, okay except something that makes it haram. But actually that's the exact opposite of the principle of ibadah, which is agreed upon. Which is that in acts of ibadah, everything is haram. Until Allah allows you this and this and this, because these are acts that you are saying that are the sunnah and you'll be rewarded for and this was done before and we're meant to emulate so you need to have that protection so as I always give the example it's not allowed to pray with your hands on your head and it's not allowed to pray with your hands on your chest either oh, then the hadith comes and says you can pray with your hands on your chest but it didn't come and say, you, you know what I'm saying? so we, we we don't do anything until the hadith comes and tells us So. Shaykh Uthameen is saying that likewise to say that every act of worship should be towards the, uh, the, the every act face towards the capital when you're doing it, then there'll be a reward for it. That's, that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, what's better is to say if an evidence comes to suggest it, then. Now, although we have some basic evidences, 
group of du'a, we have some basic evidences. So that's the end of the chapter. Let's do some questions now. Let's give these people some time here. Um, uh, okay. Uh, what about facing our legs and sitting in our homes or mosques with the legs facing the qibla? It is something which is permissible, okay? It is something which is permissible, but because the idea of uh, uh, putting your feet towards something is not something which is agreed upon universally as being disrespectful. At the same time, the scholars ask you to, pro uh, to not do it because many cultures strongly see that as offensive. And if you are sitting towards a person with your feet and they would take it offensively, then Al-Ka'aba Awla, that you should then avoid doing it to the Ka'aba as well. This is not an issue of the evidences, but there's no evidence from the Sunnah. But this is a general position of the scholars out of Adam. For many people, there's no choice in regard to the position of the toilet, inshallah. In this case, is this under the category of necessity, making it permissible, but still under the category of haram? The answer to that would be that yes, that for those people that are unable because they don't have, then it still would, if, if you're following my opinion, like if that was me walking into there, I'd say it's haram, but I don't have any other choice. If you're following the majority, it's permissible anyway. So then it wouldn't uh, apply to you. And if you're following the Hanbali Madhab, then it's okay. And if you're following the Sheikh Taymin's position, then he said inside the house is okay as long as you don't face towards the Qibla. But yes, if you're following my opinion, then it's haram completely. I don't want you to follow my opinion unless you believe in it, okay? But if you're following my opinion that it's haram inside and outside, then yes, it would still be haram, but because of the necessity, you're allowed to do it, which answers the question. Um, I heard the explanation, but what if the toilet is in a position where the only way possible to use it? Yeah, that's what uh, Muna just asked. Uh, unless your name, Bun Muhammad, is Aisha bint Avrar. Sometimes. On, on, an, on, on an off day, huh? Yeah. What about, okay, uh, what is the actual tall position of the class with regards to cleaning and touching the privates with the left hand and facing the Qibla? The tall position of the class is that you, you are not allowed to use your right hand. You clean yourself with water by pouring with the right and cleaning with the left. If you're using tissue paper and so on and so forth, then you clean it with the left. You're not allowed to use it in the right hand unless uh, uh, you have to. And facing the Qibla, I've already said that. Does the principle of honor apply towards the Qibla uh, with the respective feet? I've just answered that. If a prohibition is a status of haram, then why is touching the part classed as unlawful, even though the hadith in Bukhari states not to touch the part with the right hand? I didn't even understand that question. If a prohibition... Uh, two minutes left. If a if a, if a prohibition has a status of haram, then why is touching the, the part classed as unlawful, even though the hadith in Bukhari states not to touch the part with the right hand? Maybe the person had makruh instead of unlawful. So the statement says, don't do it. So oh. it classed makruh. Oh. And not haram. Why is it lowered in terms of intensity? But we didn't, we didn't, uh, uh, oh, oh, right, right, right. I think what you're saying, then, then, no, I don't remember. It's because there's a different hadith that said that was, what we said. that was the first thing that we did. Oh, meaning that it's under the category of karaha and it should be in prohibition. Yeah. yeah. We went through that, didn't we? We explained we did. that, no? That was the first thing. Yeah, we explained that. One. Yeah. Also, what are you to do if you're in public toilets and you do not know the direction, uh, must you always figure the direction of the Qibla before using the toilet? I mean, I always keep an eye on that kind of thing. Yeah? Obviously, if you're following the majority, then, you know, whatever. 
You guys don't know where the Kaaba is or anything. You know, tell all your youths them, tell all the, the, the boys them, yani, look at your sky satellites, you all know where your sky satellites are. Thingy. Everyone knows where all their sky satellites are point, pointing. That's the Kaaba, isn't it? Your satellites face towards the uh, southeast? Just use the iPhone, yeah? <laughs> Okay, then we'll call it with that. Inshallah, Jazakumullah khair. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.